0: Welcome to the Advancing Dentistry Podcast. Join us for in-depth discussions from industry-leading dental experts speaking on hot topics in their specialties.
1: Thank you for listening to our BioLase Advancing Dentistry Podcast. This is Dr. Stephen John, your host for this presentation. Thank you for joining us. We have had some exciting and informative podcasts so far. Dr. Sam Lau impressed us with his knowledge and experience on laser therapy and how to deal with the ailing and failing dental implant. Dr. Howard Golan proved why he is a go-to person for laser therapy for the restorative doctor. He has also an incredible grasp on the laser treatments that most restorative doctors can perform. Dr. Lynn Atkinson wowed us with her expertise and talent using the diode laser. She clarified the difference between LBR and LAPT, something most of us have very little understanding of. So I gotta tell you, I love going to dental meetings and hearing doctors talks, dentists talks, and arguing about what procedures are the most difficult to, to do. You hear anything from the all on fours to the full mouth reconstruction, to the rethromatic jaw um, reconstruction, to the uh, refractory periodontitis case. In the end, I'm sure that we all agree, the most challenging situation in dentistry by far is managing and treating the pediatric patient. While most of us deal with the periodic difficult case, the pediatric dentist has to deal with theirs all day long. We're extremely honored to have Dr. Ben Curtis joining us today for our pediatric dentistry podcast. Dr. Curtis is a board certified pediatric dentist. He is the executive director of the Waterleys Pediatric Dental Academy and has been honored as an AAPD Harris Fellow. Dr. Curtis went to dental school and pediatric residency at the Baylor College of Dentistry. He married his high school sweetheart and has four very crazy and amazing kids. Dr. Curtis practiced pediatric dentistry in Dallas, Texas for the last six years. Dr. Curtis, he prides himself. For bringing world-class care to his patients in a small-town personalized field, Dr. Curtis utilizes the Waterlase all-purpose laser in his patient care almost every day, from infant frenectomies to shot-free fillings and crowns. When Dr. Curtis and his family are, are not at the ranch, we can find them enjoying time with Minnie and Mickey at Disney World. Thank you, Dr. Curtis, for joining us.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, sir. That was quite the introduction and and I'm so glad to be here. It is a pleasure for sure. So I, I have to correct myself. I put on here six
1: years. Haven't you been there in, in Dallas for nine years?
0: I've been in Dallas what seems like forever from dental school to residency, then in six years in private practice. So yeah, over a decade um in Dallas, it's, it's like 12 years. Yeah.
1: Gotta, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Don't you, don't you yeah. love your, your profession? This is just like a wonderful place to be.
0: Yeah, you know, I there's a lot of good people in Dallas. So it was a great place to be, a lot of good colleagues to work with. And I'm still quite connected there, even though I'm back out in East Texas. So I'm a little farther east than Dallas, um, but still not too far away from a lot of good people there.
1: I think it's pretty cool that you uh, that you have a, a small town practice um, near your hometown. Number one, it's a great way to, you know, kind of connect with uh, your kids' uh, friends and the parents uh, kind of bring in a little bit of a camaraderie, you know, a little bit of caring. They know you, you know them. Uh, so there's a lot of faith and trust uh, you can develop with that. So... Uh, um, I'm assuming you uh, prefer the uh, small town practice environment over the uh, the larger town environment.
0: Yeah, you know when we were looking, you know, whether to stay in Dallas or come back out to East Texas. I, my family's been here for over 125 years out here in the small East Texas community. Both sides of my family, both my, my mom and dad's family, so we have a lot of deep roots out here and a lot of um, a lot of ties that bind. And so for us coming back, it was. Definitely, you're thrown in the middle of all that it is to be in a small town community. Um, But there's a lot of wonderful things to be a part of that, too. And a lot of need out here. We're kind of in a medical dental wasteland in between two big areas. So there's a lot of need in this desert out here of healthcare. So we're definitely meeting a huge need. And it's been overwhelming. The response that we've gotten has just been wonderful. So we're very happy with our decision to come back home.
1: So maybe uh, what you're going to need to do is get a few other uh, specialists to come out and join you. Uh.
0: Hey, man, come on. <laughs> come on. They you know what, Maybe I
1: call my, I'll give my wife a call and says, honey, guess what? We're moving to East Texas, Texas right now. That's, that's
0: right. That's right.
1: <laughs> uh, I guess I have to learn how to say y'all a little more, huh? All
0: right. We'll th- th- break you in. We'll be good.
1: <laughs> so I hear. So I hear. So uh, let's go ahead and kind of get started with a little bit of our conversation. Um, so one of the things about pediatric dentistry is I think the idea of the misconception of really what pediatric dentistry is all about. So I got to tell you that in my day and age, we used to say, you know what, I'll tell you, it sure would be great to be a pediatric dentist because they've got the easiest job in dentistry. They could go ahead And do fillings and restorative work on primary teeth, and they fall out anyway. So who cares what good of a job you do or don't do? Here's my question to you. What would you say to that person making that comment?
0: I would say, you know, you're right and you're wrong all at the same time. Because we do have an easy job and that we don't have the struggle of getting it to last a lifetime But what we have to do and our goal is to advocate for that child to get them to be a good patient for you for a lifetime. If we don't get to them early and don't make it a positive experience, then they become your problem much later on. So we're here to make them a positive impression moving forward and to be more on that cutting edge of proactivity, of prevention and of education. So that's what we do all day long is educate, advocate and prevent
1: yeah so i was gonna say that you know in the past i think that most people thought of the pediatric dentist as basically being the one that um that would see like toddlers and things of that sort your practice isn't made up that way anymore is it i mean you don't just see you know like young kids anymore i mean yeah we we see
0: them from from birth some literally out of labor and delivery for infant phrenectomies and um, feeding care all the way up to 18 years old, managing them through horrible orthodontics and all their growth and development. So we literally are there tracking and monitoring and helping through all of their growth and developmental milestones. So our goal is to get them from birth into adulthood and having them be good patients and good understanding of how they need to do it, what they need to do and, and all. So that's really kind of our goal is really to to be there through all of those milestones Through development. So, with
1: that in mind, I'm sure that it's not only just a matter of managing the patient, managing kind of you know, get them comfortable with dentistry, but you're managing the overall development of these kids. You're 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 bringing them from childhood to adulthood, and ultimately their future as adulthood is dependent upon you. It's not just more matter of you're just gonna say, Hey, let's go ahead and drill and fill it. You need to go ahead and, and get these people prepared.
0: That's right. One of the biggest things I always tell people is, you know, it's, it's all about the experience in pediatrics. So it doesn't, you know, people forget what you say, people forget what you do. People never forget the way you make them feel. Thank you, Dr. Maya Angelou. And that is so true in pediatrics, because it's all about the experience, not just the experience for the parent, but the experience for the child, how we shape that, evolve that through all of their developmental milestones to stay relevant for their age. So if you don't mind,
1: I wouldn't, I mean, if you don't mind, can we kind of dwell on that just a little bit more? What is it that you do to go ahead and make these patients less uncomfortable? I can't make it make the comment make them comfortable, but maybe less uncomfortable yeah. and maybe even comfortable because if we yeah. get we get some of these kids to come in and they're like, you know, hey, sure, what you know, I mean, as I've se- seen these young children to go ahead and do some period work on them. And they're as comfortable as all heck, if they come from the, um, the pediatric dentist, if they come from a restorative doctor, they're just a mess. So can you come maybe explain to our listeners, what are some of the things that you do
0: to make these kids
1: yeah. less uncomfortable?
0: One of the biggest things I'm always telling people is that, you know, we're here to help the child have the best experience they can have. Not everybody can have the same experience. You know, what's best for the kid in this room is not best for the kid in the room next door. And what's best for that kid is not the best for the kid in the next room next door to that. So it's all about customized care and what really fits the needs for that child in that moment, because what worked from yesterday may not work for them for today. So the adaptability and really being able to meet the child where they are. And sometimes that means we're having to meet them with sedation. Sometimes that means we're having to meet them with just nitrous. Sometimes that means I'm having to meet them in the hallway and not in the dental chair. So, but working on building that rapport and having that compassion and grace really extends a lot in building trust for these patients. But realistically, I I mean, I had a kiddo today that we had to do eight. No, let's see. It was seven stainless steel crowns on this child. He's young, a five-year-old, new to five and pretty immature. And we were able to get those done without doing a shot without having to do much drilling and able to accomplish all of that in one visit for him. And he was to pieces at the beginning of the appointment for about five minutes. But when we were able to reassure him that this is going to be okay, this is going to be simple. We're not going to have to do a shot. There's not going to be much noises, much vibration. He settled in and he did amazing. But I mean, we were just a few minutes away from having to cancel the appointment and put the kid to sleep, which was the traditional way of handling that kid. You wouldn't even have tried it because how are you going to get a handpiece in there and drill how you normally need to drill? So being able to do less drilling and less injections is really one of the things that has really set my practice apart and has really blown my mind in pediatrics and how we have furthered this process to help these kids have even better experiences. So my laser has really helped that. And I can tell you, we could not have done that appointment for that kid this morning It saved him from a, a deep sedation or general anesthesia experience without the laser. So in addition, just
1: like the overall patient management, like you were saying, take the time with the patient. Some kids need more time, some less you have a huge armamentarium of different options to get these kids kind of more comfortable. In an average of store doctors, you've got 45 minutes to get the job done. You can have all day if you need to, because that's just kind of the way that, that things end up going. You don't have all day, but anyway, how things are kind of made yeah. up to be, but you have a lot of different options to go ahead and get them. So if, if I, for instance, if I was a parent and if I was going to say, gosh, you know, I like my dentist, he's a nice guy. I'm going to go ahead and, and bring him to my dentist or, There's a pediatric dentist down the street. I've heard great things with them. What would you, would you have advice for that parent maybe to try to encourage them to have them seek um, early uh, treatment with a pediatric dentist?
0: Yeah, so definitely we need our general practitioners out there. There are so many children in America, we cannot see all of them. (laughs) And so I need you to help me to see them. Um, so, you know, we want you to help take the best care of these kids and we want to be here to help take care of the ones that maybe you can't or don't want to, or feel like you don't need to. Like we're here to help take care of those two from the referring us to take care of it type thing. Um, but definitely for that mom that's trying to consider who does she need to take their kid to, you know, realistically, if she's considering like, man, is my kid going to do well at the general dental office? Well, they probably should be coming over to pediatric. So and I think that's really where GPs are pretty good at sizing the kid up for the moment they come in the door. But realistically, you know, even from the GP side of things, like for the parent calling and say, does my kid need to come to the dentist yet? There's not a question about that. If they're calling, they need to come to the dentist, even if it's not your office. So, you know, being an advocate for that child, even if it's not within your office, making sure that they get the care they need, even if you don't want to be the one to provide that care. So having those resources there from the beginning, we do the same thing. If you're like a 16 year old that's calling in pain, we're not for you. Let's get you over to a good GP. My staff knows to answer that phone and give them to a place that can better help them because you're kind of out of our age range at that point. So um, being an advocate for that kid and that parent really helps a lot too.
1: That's funny because we have so many of our patients uh, that will come in who are teenagers, and they're still seeing their pediatric dentist, and uh, and it's kind of like you know shouldn't you be seeing kind of an older uh, older uh, dentist, your general dentist or something like that? I go I don't want to go to anybody else. You guys really do develop that that relationship, that trust, you know, to go ahead and make things happen. So so one of the things we've been kind of really dwelling on is idea of you know if, if a P, if a GP or if a parent has happened, has a child that is a, let's say a management issue, scared, things of that sort, that obviously the, uh, the pediatric dentist is the one to consider, I like to kind of even go one step further and kind of ask you about the idea of like, what about developmental? What if what if a dentist gets the child in there and says, "Holy cow, this poor kid, you know they have a retrognathic jaw, they have a lot of development issues, you know they have a tongue thrust issue, things of that sort." I mean, wouldn't these be cases that would be best to go ahead and get to the pediatric dentist early so you can go and manage them from early to later?
0: Definitely. You know, if it's any sort of things like that, where they've got jaw growth and development issues, oral tissue growth and development issues, I wouldn't even worry about that in the general dental office. Send that on over for a pediatric. That is our bread and butter. We will quarterback that for you. And we'll help make sure that we do a thorough oral assessment of all that growth and development. Because there's a lot of strategic planning that needs to go in that a lot of things that we may want to monitor or may want to advocate for that kid to get taken care of early. And we have to convince the parents sometimes to take them on and get those sorts of things done at different specialty offices. And that way you don't have to worry about, does this kid need this or is this too early? Or is that we've got all that information and all that. We can own that for you. There's no, there's no reason that you should have to feel the pressure to do that if you don't want to. We're here to help you with that, definitely. Those are good ones to send over to
1: Yeah, I think that's really, really important because I think there's a lot of times people just, they don't, they just think of uh, the the pediatric dentist as being a management uh, person, whereas reality is, it really is a development. And I really do feel that uh, as the child gets older, like particularly in their preteens and teens and things like that, I'm sure as you know, it's a team approach. You know that there are a lot of times we have to end up getting involved with a lot of, lot of different, um, a lot of different individuals, different specialists or surgeons. Uh, you know, maybe the endodontist, you know, orthodontist for sure. Hey, and I already know maybe the uh, the the periodontist. My um, we have a couple of uh, pediatric dentists in our area that will send patients over for my my evaluation. You know, and I think the idea is understanding oral development because what what they see right now, as you know isn't going to be the same in the next two, three, four, five years.
0: Yep, definitely.
1: So you had mentioned earlier, and we we're talking about the idea of management, which is kind of a good way to kind of segue into what we're, our discussion is. You had already made mentioned that, that part of the idea of managing the child um, or even the teen, honestly, is going to end up being the type of treatments that you do. And you mentioned the idea of laser dentistry. Would you yeah. mind going into that a little bit, little bit deeper? I, I I, mean, when you mentioned the idea of laser dentistry, you know, there's lots of different laser options out there. Um, in an earlier podcast, we discussed the idea of the pigment seeking versus the water seeking. Uh, within the idea of the water seeking, there's, there's different types of lasers also. I believe that you happen to use yeah, the water laser laser. Would you mind kind of talking us through what the different laser options are? Why you chose the one that you did and um, the importance of it?
0: Yeah, definitely. Within the pediatric realm, when you say, if you're at a pediatric conference and you say lasers, they're instantly going to think about infant frenectomies. That's where the pediatric mind instantly goes. They're not really thinking about other sorts of things like, oh, there's endodontic implications or periodontic implications or anything else. Like pediatric mind at the moment goes directly for infant frenectomies. And so really helping people understand that there's a lot more that you can do than just phrenectomies. That was a talk I actually gave at the AAPD National Conference this year was so much more than phrenectomies. And there was another guy's lecture that was, Laser dentistry without frenectomy—it's like, what else can you do? So it's a hot topic right now because literally people peg hole lasers into that in pediatric world, and so I think that's the first obstacle in pediatrics is to open your mind up to more than that. Um, but if you're going to be just doing soft tissue. With that, there's like a CO2 laser on the market that is really popular for those sorts of things. But all it can do is just the soft tissue. And in pediatrics, that'd be basically just phrenectomies you'd be using that laser for. You could also use diodes for that, but that's really fallen out of favor with the majority of our referrals. Most of my lactation consultants do not want a diode phrenectomy done, or my speech therapist, they are calling and asking in the office, What sort of laser do you use? And they want to hear, erbium or co2 and particularly the erbium being a much kinder less heat that's becoming a lot more popular in certain segments particularly for referral options and things so within our realm that's kind of the soft tissue realm i use the erbium laser because i like to do both the soft tissue and hard tissue because in our realm we do a lot of restorative stuff too in addition to adding those kind of frenectomies or soft tissue procedures and so just Like I said, today I did those crowns. I had another 12 year old that drove over an hour to come see me out of Dallas. He drove past all these pediatricians in Dallas to come to East Texas to see me because I could do his large um, mesial facial lingual composite on number seven without doing a shot. And I used the laser and he got it done same day and they got to drive back to Dallas. Not numb happy as a lark, could eat and stop and get a hamburger on the way home um, without having to do any sort of formal sedation, anything like that. So um, that is game changer for people. And that's why I've really chosen the, the Waterlace Um I plus laser because it's the workhorse, particularly in pediatrics. It does a lot of great things that we need it to do and it does them really well.
1: So I know that a lot of times in using the diodes, like you just mentioned before, is you know a lot. There's a lot of uh, restorative doctors pick up the diodes and do a lot of the soft tissue, which is great, which is fine. But I'm sure that uh, you know there's some downsides on the uh, the diodes compared to utilizing the uh, the water seeking lasers. In particular, uh, I prefer obviously the water laser, Urban Chromium YSGG laser uh, versus the the other ones. I think that uh, you brought up the idea of the CO2, which is a wonderful laser, but it is very limited. Of kind of what we can end up end up utilizing it for, uh, the uh, the water laser urban chroming YSGG is definitely an all around workhorse, which is fabulous and wonderful uh, stuff. And so, as a clinician, uh, let's see if you happen to have the uh the, the diode or your your water laser. What is it that makes the water laser more appealing than utilizing the diode? Why why would you if you had knew somebody? happen Let's see, another pediatric dentist who happen to own a diode. Why would you go up to them and say, you know what? Yeah, start looking into this water lace laser. I think you'd find it much uh, more appealing. But what is it that, that you find about peeling about it?
0: Two-fold. Two-fold answer, Matt. One, what do your referrals want? That'd be my first question. Because, okay, who's going to send this? You're not just going to grow these within your own practice, enough to support that. You're going to have to go out and get referrals and build that. And a lot of these communities have the referrals asking them, hey, we need your help. We need someone to do these procedures. Like we've got speech clinics that have nowhere to send this and they know that you're a very good dentist in the area and they want you to come in and help them do these procedures. They've identified you as an excellent person in the community. They don't want you to use the diode because it's hotter and it chars and you'd get more inflammation and less of a positive result. Is it a great piece of equipment? It sure is. But when we're looking at very specific procedures, it's not as popular for referrals, so they're not going to want you to use it. That's one reason. Second is that it is hot and it burns and it smells terrible and it looks like a cigarette burn. I've had one dad that was very angry at the first person that did his phrenectomy with a diode that looked charred and burned and it scarred and they had to come back to me and I had to do a revision with the water lace, which is much kinder the tissue. It caused less inflammation, less post-operative pain and discomfort and it got a much better result for that patient. And the parent commented, well, wow, it doesn't look like you burned my kid with a cigar. Like, no, it doesn't look like that. So for those two reasons, in pediatric realm, I really don't recommend it, even though it might be a pretty stellar result and works pretty much a great job. Might be cheaper for you as an intro levels thing. I hear that a lot. Well, I'm going to enter in at this diode level. And if I like it, I'm going to move up. You aren't going to like it. So don't even start there. Okay. All right.
1: Boy, I totally agree with that one. It's funny because a lot of times I get patients asking me, you know, what laser do I use? Why do I use it? And I go, I won't even use the dad for anything having to do with perio for exactly what you just said. Ultimately, it's kind of like I watch this uh, tissue melt and burn. And yeah, unfo- unfortunately- totally. For all you Texans out there, I do apologize because I use analogy. It's like going to a barbecue in Texas, uh,
0: when you have this procedure done. So uh, hey, and it's I 110 usually, degrees, we're having a heat wave. Yeah. It's very accurate. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and a lot of times I'll ask patients if i if they want to have that done. I said, Well, you got to make a decision if you want barbecue sauce or teriyaki sauce with your French if you have it down the dial, because I ain't gonna be using that for what we use it for. <laughs>
0: hey, I tell them all the time, you want me to get you with a Brandon iron? Because welcome to use <laughs> Texas, we got a lot of cattle. Nobody wants once their child put to the Brandon
1: iron. No, it is so true. I mean, it's funny because I don't think you, I mean, a lot of the times the doctors have these diodes and, and again, they work, like you said, it's a workhorse. Yeah, it gets the totally. job done. So like that, and until you picked up the, the, the water lays laser and you utilize that and you can see the difference of it. One, yeah. you know, with, with the, with the diode, it melts it, it burns it. It looks charred and it's ugly. And literally with with the Waterlays laser, it's like sculpting. It's the most yeah, wonderful totally. thing.
0: Totally. I mean, it's yeah, amazing. I say that all the time. When I do these gingival recontouring post-orthodontics, I'm like, all I'm doing is putting on my cosmetic dental hat for this teenager, and I'm just sculpting these gums away. Where I leave it is where it's going to be. It's the easiest, very precise Very simple. I don't even numb for it. We put a little bit of topical on it and away you go. The kid's fine afterwards and you get a beautiful result because you just hate when that number seven and 10 looks so much shorter than eight and nine. Nobody's posting that picture on Instagram and showing that off. They want it to look better than that.
1: And the thing is, is like you know, again, if you if you know take out the traditional scalpel and things like that, you know, you can cut it and things of that sort, but you know, you get a bit of bleeding, so they can't really walk out because the that gentle margin Mm -hmm. is bleeding. You know, and it's a Uh. and and part of it is, I think that the idea of the laser therapy, and actually, I want do want to go this in little in a little bit. Let's go into it right now. So one of the things that people talk about is a difference between utilizing the handpiece. And you have a touchy feel sort of a sensation with a handpiece, you know, how deep you're going, things of that sort. And I know that a lot of times people are reluctant about go ahead and taking the, the water waterless laser and utilizing that for, let's say, cutting preparation things of that sort, because they claim that they don't have that touchy feel sort of sensation. So with that in mind, can you maybe explain to our listeners really kind of, you know, the difference between a, a handpiece and the water laser and, and regarding its performance, but also how to manipulate, how to use it.
0: Yeah, I always compare it when I'm I've taught a lot of entry level classes to utilizing the, the water lace laser, and I always compare it to Mount Rushmore. They've carved four presidents in the side of South Dakota with dynamite, not chisels people. They didn't chisel out Teddy Roosevelt. All right. They used dynamite to blast him out. If they could do that with dynamite, this is tiny dynamite for your teeth and your gums. If they can make four presidents, you can make a prep in a tooth. All right. It's not <laughs> rocket science. Okay. They've actually made it very, very precise for you. And so it's more like painting a paintbrush. You're very, very precise, minimally invasive, removing off this. And when you're doing those gum procedures, you can literally just watch it just go away, you're just slowly removing it away. Or as you're doing that tooth structure, when you're at that one to two millimeter working length with that gold hand piece, you can literally just see the tiny little tooth removals as opposed to feeling it, you can visually see it. And unlike, you know, I I do preps all the time where I'm on a baby tooth next to a permanent tooth, If I hit that permanent tooth with that number 330 burp, it's my own fault, all right? It's not gonna hit that tooth next to it unless you point it to it. So it's very, very precise, very controlled. So there is a little bit of a feel that you have to get, but I always like to say, you know, you learn to cut a prep by feeling it in there. You're gonna learn to do this by watching it very slowly and very quickly move that away. So once you find that sweet spot, of where that working length is, you'll never unfeel that again.
1: So what would you say the learning curve is? For all these uh, doctors out there that are currently utilizing a handpiece, what would you say the learning curve is like with with utilizing laser? Does it take a while to get used to it or is it fairly quick?
0: I'm always recommending for them to take extracted teeth, sterilize them and mount them in stone. And then you practice on your lunch break. Give yourself 10 minutes a day for a month. And by then... You'll be up and going. That's exactly what I did. You know, I'm not a fancy person any more than anyone else is. I'm just a normal pediatric dentist. I'm just a normal doctor. If I can do this, you can do this. And so it just takes practice and it takes repetition and it doesn't take you very long to get there if you want to get there. Um, and really, when you start seeing those results, you're going to want to get there so much faster because it really, you, it truly is mind-blowing how well it works. My my staff and I still look at each other in amazement, That oh my gosh, we got that done. We didn't numb the kid and it went that quick. Like that number seven today that we did, it was huge. The kid was not good. He's historically terrible. And we got him to sit still for 10 minutes to get that done. And that was about all he had. And that went so smooth because of that laser it was so good at removing out the cavities because it's attracted to those cavities so much more than it is the normal tooth structure so it's a very minimally invasive way to do cavity preparations that 330 that round burr, it's going to move whatever you touch it to but this laser is attracted more to the cavity than it is to the normal tooth structure
1: you know is as, as kind of bringing up two points is that i know that whenever like like for instance utilizing the burr like when i'm cutting bone or even tooth uh, if I have a burr, I got the slurry, I got the water, I got everything. I can Half the time, I can't see it anyway. I got to stop, dry it off, see where I am and continue to go. When I'm utilizing laser, it is just I'm not getting the slurry. I'm not getting that, the, the decreased visualization. If anything, I have better visualization so I can see it a lot better. I got to tell you, so every often we have to do these uh, resorption cases, I don't like drilling on teeth. I'm not a cavity preparation. I don't do restorations. I hate those things. And a matter of fact, I dreaded them every time I got a hold of these things. I love them. I, I could go back to restorative dentistry. I spent 35 years of doing perio. I could definitely go back to restorative utilizing laser. It is amazing how precise and how accurate. I was brought up in the days where, where we were doing amalgam preparations. You'd have to get the box form 90 degrees. We're taking Weedlstatt chisels you know, you'd use your drill initially just to kind of like get a basic kind of a cavity prep form and use a hand instruments. You can get everything you can with, with, with utilizing the water laser. So I, I personally think that it's fabulous. And it's wonderful. So I, it's a great tool,
0: particularly with cav,
1: cavity preparations. Hey, Hey, if a periodontist could go ahead and do a cavity preparation on an external resorption case, anybody can do a cavity preparation. Believe me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. So, um, you had mentioned the idea, I just kind of want to, I don't want to go into a lot of detail about a lot of different types of procedures, but you had mentioned the idea of the frenectomy and the pediatric um, uh, patient. Um, and so part of, I guess my question would end up being is uh, when you mentioned, said that lasers, if you talk to a, a pediatric dentist, that the first thing that they end up talk, thinking about is a laser. So, so I guess I'm kind of curious on how often and why do you guys do uh, the the phrenectomies and what type of phrenectomies are you looking for? And really what is the purpose for the average, maybe say um restorative doctors that they get the child comes in and they're not necessarily do of them. I understand the pediatric dentists do a lot of, of phrenectomies and I know the reason why on my end of it, but I think it's great that you guys do it. But can you explain to the to people out there why we we should be looking at phrenoms in the pediatric patient?
0: Yeah. First off, um, as far as the pediatric as we mentioned earlier, we own the growth and development of the pediatric oral cavity that falls within our range, not the GP's range, your job is to own the adult one, if you need someone to own the child one, we do and we own it from birth to the time that they become an adult, and they finish their growth and development, the ear, nose and throat doctor is not an ear, nose and tongue doctor, they are owning the tonsillar pillars back, we own the tonsillar pillars forward to the lips and the vermilion border. Outside of that, it goes on to plastic surgery. So there's this whole thing within the mouth that we own, both teeth and soft tissue. So that's why in the realm of phrenectomies, there's become such a great surgence of this within the pediatric dental realm is because we actually own it there. We've been shirking our responsibility for decades, but now the importance of this Is coming to the forefront and it's up to us to advocate for those kids and rise to the occasion and so that's why we're seeing a lot more phrenectomies being advocated for and being integrated into pediatric dental offices is because we have to rise to the occasion for our patients from birth to that time that they leave us and so realistically that's where our realm of coming into this comes from and we are seeing them from from leaving labor and delivery if they're having struggles with breastfeeding and in hospital they're seeing a lactation consultant before they leave while they're in the hospital who's looking at that they can't diagnose them as having a tongue tie but they can say you're having feeding issues and you need to have that evaluated if that patient becomes older and they didn't have that done then or there wasn't issues then and now there's issues later and they come into your office as a general practitioner and you're concerned like oh i don't really know about this but you're having issues refer to a pediatric dentist for an assessment you're not referring it to me for a procedure you're referring it to me for an assessment and we're glad to do an assessment to diagnose that formally for you and to be able to make sure that does it need to be done or do we need to take further action to see other specialists or maybe that's just a normal growth and development for this child we're going to have to work through but that's one of the big reasons that i get a lot of referrals from both speech therapists lactation consultants myofunctional therapists General practitioners and pediatricians is because we do good assessments. You're not having to send it to us to say, oh, doctor, this needs the tongue tie. It's saying that this parent's having a problem, this is reporting a problem, this child's having an issue, and we need it further assessed. We can do that for you because we're advocating for the child. And this laser in particular is really good at doing that procedure. And so, thus, it is coming to the forefront of one of the best ways to handle those. So, that's it's kind of our all-encompassing phrenectomy situation. So two
1: things that came out of this. Uh, thank you very much. I think that people don't quite understand the fact that referrals are not necessary about treatment. You know, most of the time you go to the antidote, they're going to treat it because there's a reason why. But what? most of the time is an assessment. They're being sent to us for an evaluation, for a diagnosis, for an opinion. I get stuff all the time to say, does this patient need the following? And I'll say, no, they don't or not yet or something of that sort. So I think that, that a referral does not mean I'm going to go there and I'm going to send them to them and they're going to get treated is to get a diagnosis, to get assessment and to get an evaluation, not only the current, but maybe for the future also. So I think that's a, that's a very, very good point. I do have to say, I'm so happy that the uh, pediatric dentists um, are starting to do more phrenectomies because as a periodontist, we see them when there's already recession, when there's a freedom pull, and now I've got to deal with the fact of an exposed root, a high freedom, thin tissue. When I already know that a lot of these could have been probably avoided with early intervention with a frenectomy. And yep. so, so I do have to thank you for go ahead. I should say actually, I should thank you or get mad at you for decreasing uh, uh my uh, my production. But hey, it's all for the better of, for the uh, patient anyway. Uh, That's right. I know our pediatric dentist um, is actually, um, for, for our children, uh, she refers a lot to us because she does not own a laser, and she knows that I do, and we do a lot of opinions. We do a lot of assessments, and we even do kind of early intervention treatments, too, uh, based upon what, uh, what what she has to say. So uh, thank you for, uh, for all the work that you guys do in that realm of it for Perio. You uh, definitely uh, prevent the more advanced uh, problems. Uh, for our adults patients by early intervention. So I do have a question for you. Now that you've established the fact that you are totally, uh, I guess you'd say, um, dependent upon your water laser laser and, and all different aspects and stuff like that. Well, how could you see yourself going back and not having your water laser, what would what would life look like for you if you didn't have your water laser?
0: Yeah, you know that's a really good point. Bring it up from the fact that i've I've been using it for you know for six years now, and but I haven't consistently. I've worked in different offices where I haven't had it, or. I integrated it into a large office in Dallas where I brought that technology in and we integrated it into how the office operates. And so we had to retrain all the staff and everybody on how to use it. Well, here I am opening up my own private practice starting from scratch in the middle of nowhere. And so none of my staff have ever worked with this. This is totally new procedures for them. And so it's kind of... um, you know, challenging in that, but at the same time, very rewarding because they're all so amazed. Like, why haven't we done this before? Like, look how amazing this is. Like, look at the kid. Look how simple this was. Look how quick this was. Like, it's an arguably a better way of doing it. Um, Once again, uh, another quote from Dr. Maya Angelou is we do the best we can until we know better. And when you know better, you do better this is a better way. You were trained to do the best you can. Of course, you do the very best you can for your patients that you see. But what if there was a better way? We keep looking to do better. When you know better, you do better. So when I opened up my office, there was no question about me having a laser and bringing that world-class care with a small town feel to the people out here. I would never want to go back if I didn't have to, you know, if I was doing mission work, then yeah, I guess we'd be finding ways around that. Or maybe we'd be figuring out how to get a laser to the mission. So, you know, we, there's two ways to to take care of that.
1: I think the latter would probably be uh, the driving force. It's like, if you want me to go ahead and do mission work, you're going to have to get get a laser for me to go ahead and be there. There you go. go. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? It's funny because so years back when I first got mine, I got so dependent upon utilizing it with every single procedure that I almost got to the point of fear because I had the I plus of the fear of, oh my gosh, what if my laser goes down? And by the way, just let everybody know, I've owned two lasers, one for five or seventy years, one for ten years. One of them went down for two days. <clears throat> the service was out right away, got it fixed, got it up and running. So my fear of what would happen if my laser got hasn't really transpired. But now I have, have a laser in each room, and I end up picking up a, the the express laser, and I kind of go back and forth from operatory to operatory. But I got to the point that I that was I was so dependent, I had the fear. The nice thing is, is I'm sure that you know, too. I mean, you've had yours for quite a while also. These things just don't break down. I mean, these things, these things are workhorses. I mean, I, I am consistently amazed at how much work I, I, I give this, these lasers to do and how they're always dependable, dependable to go ahead and be there for me to be, to work on.
0: Yeah, definitely. We've in my original office where I had this, we've had it for, for going on seven years now. And we have yet to have a major issue at all. And if we had any minor issue with anything, we call directly to the, to the helpline and someone is there on the phone troubleshooting it through. And if it was something where a service tech needs to come out, one is sent out to us and it's quickly resolved. So I think from that standpoint, that is really nice when you're looking at making an investment in a technology. You know, what? who's going to be helpful? Who's going to be there for me? Is it going to be something where I could turn to somebody for educational help? Yeah. But can I turn to it for troubleshooting help if there's an issue? Yeah. What is the dependability for that? How accessible is that? So those are all behind the scenes things that you don't even think about that are really important. And definitely I can testify to that firsthand too.
1: So uh, you brought up the subject. Let's go further into this. So one of the things I know that when I was looking at different lasers, I a lot, I actually it's funny because my poor rep uh, who was trying to sell me my uh, water laser, uh, I ultimately developed a spreadsheet of every single company out there and what the pros and cons were and things of that sort. One of the things that I that I really was was looking for was the after sales um support and um after sales kind of uh Smart. yeah camaraderie because you know it's easy to buy a laser, it's easier for the, the salesperson to talk to you and say, Hey, you know, we got the best laser around. Hey, it may be a great laser, but what is the support like? What's the education like? Was the yeah, follow-up
0: education totally.
1: I mean, what is the, what is the follow-up with that things of that sort? So, so with that in mind, Again, we both had very, very, very positive experiences, and that's one of the reasons why I chose the uh, the biolase water laser. Um, regarding the idea, let's go into the idea. We have already talked about the idea of support. Uh, you can make a phone call. You can call um, somebody at service to get things going, and they're they're on it right away. Education. So, tell me, uh, if someone wants to go ahead and purchase a water laser, um, what has your experience been regarding education? Do you just get like? Hey, here's how to use it. You never see him again. Or what is the education experience like?
0: Well, you're talking to the number one pediatric education for biologists right here. So you're going to get a lot of this if you're in the pediatric realm. (laughs) Um, So just hold on to your shorts there. We'll, We'll take you for a spin. Um, so definitely, we've really revolutionized that a lot. And that's been one of my biggest pushes is I love that BioLase is focused on really specifics for specialties or making sure you get the most out of it what you want. So if you're a GP and you've got a niche in your office that you're really got a hankering for it to conquer, like there's going to be a way to help you get there quickly through the edge educational route. So I'm the executive director of the Pediatric Dental Academy for Waterlace. So I help put together all of the curriculum, the training, the explanations, the science, the know-how, the, the way we do this. And so we do different types of trainings from in-office where we can come to your office and do a training there with you or doing a small group session where you're there with some peers and you can all work together and feed off of each other and get hands-on exposure. So really trying to make sure we've got resources for you online to free webinars and things like that. Um, We're always just a click away or a phone call away as far as educational resources. And a lot of that is built into the price of your laser, um, depending on how that works out for you. But that's one of the big questions I had was how much more am I going to have to pay after this for educational stuff? So that's a huge question. How much do I have to pay for this extra services that I'm going to need to help me get up and going? And so I think the education behind that is really important. Um, Another thing that we did last year, we did a tequila and tongue-tie conference. So we hosted a national conference where we focused on a multidisciplinary collaborative approach for frenectomies. And so um, we had chiropractors, we had myofunctional therapists, we had lactation consultants, we had multiple pediatric dentists talking about different aspects from what if it goes wrong to how do I make sure this goes right? So where do I start and where do I stop? It was a really good discussion. And we had a really awesome party too when we were there. So we're <laughs> going to do that again this year in Scottsdale in April. And it's not just for pediatric dentists. We had general dentists there that were breaking it down on the dance floor too. And so when you're dealing with pediatrics, you're always dealing with a good time. So um, definitely, if that's something that seems interesting to you, look into that. Because once again, we're really pouring a lot of resources, effort, and love into those educational projects for y'all.
1: And I do know the fact that uh, with with Bali's, that is kind of a number one uh, goal right now is the after purchase experience. Because we all know and we all realize that when you purchase something, the biggest frustration that people have is the after purchase experience. I know that that is one of the biggest things that biolays is really putting that effort out into. And a lot of times I don't think that people quite understand is that, you know, I mean, like you said, is it we have in-office training, you know, one of the trainers will come out to the office, show you how to do it, show your staff, how to work or some like of that. And I always tell people this doesn't end your experience, you know, because they have, I'm a trainer and they have full access to me. They have a yep. question. If there's a problem that comes up, they can contact me. And yep. so, um, you know, there's always, there's always somebody to, to contact to speak to, uh, regarding the idea of, of education and things of that sort. So thank you for all your time and all, and all that education part because that actually is a, is a very, very, very important kind of things, or I should say experience for the, uh, the person who's thinking about making that purchase. So here's another question regarding the idea of education, things of that sort. So when you purchased your laser, did you just jump right in and start doing everything, you know, start blowing away teeth with the laser? I sarcasm, of course, uh, but start <laughs> going ahead and, and doing everything. Or did you kind of like step into it slowly? Um, if you ha- if somebody is maybe interested in purchasing it, would you have a certain degree of advice for them? Would you recommend that they start off slowly? How would What, what advice would you give them?
0: Well, particularly for a pediatric realm, I would say pick a good kid and pick a good little kid, because you can do a lot of things to a good little kid that you might not be able to do to a good 16-year-old that's going to be more sassy and talk back. That little kid's going to want you to give them a sticker no matter what. So they're the great (laughs) kid to start on because even if it feels weird, they're still going to smile and move through it. So you're going to be able to build your confidence on doing a D.O. on number S better than you're going to be able to do an M.O. on number 30. So pick an easy thing to start with so that you can build your rapport yourself because if you start off too big or pick a challenging case to start with it's going to be more intimidating for you. Um, but I would say set it up every day. That's my second biggest advice is set it up every day if you don't have it set up you're not going to want to use it my staff sets it up every day and because of them I use it on procedures I probably would have never used it on before but they said doctor, it's set up don't you want to use it for that I said well all right girls let's go. And so uh, that has really helped encourage me is from a full staff when the whole staff is behind it. So when I come in and do these in-office trainings, I want the whole staff there from the front girl that answers the phone to the one that does the billing to the one that's going to be chair side to the one that's in sterile. Like I want to know on all and I want them to be understanding of how to talk about it, how to handle it and so much more. The offices that have the most success have a full team that's moving forward and pushing it there. So really challenging themselves. So that that's my advice. Pick a good case to start with for your first few, but pick them and keep moving forward.
1: You know, what we did is at Imperial, we have a lot of maintenance patients. So the nice, the easy thing for me is that I'm not going to take a patient who's coming in for the first visit and start working with them. I'm going to take a patient who knows me, who trusts me, who knows I'm not going to harm them or hurt them. And ultimately, I, I tell them about technology that's fairly new and different. And that's how I got started. I took my maintenance patients and began with that group of patients. And I was able to see what the pros were. And I was amazed at how the how, uh, at advantages of laser versus traditional therapy. And they were also. Um, they would just say, oh my gosh, this was definitely different from the last surgery that you did. So that kind of gave me confidence and gave them confidence too to to go forward. You had actually just made a comment about the idea of setting up. And I think that if you don't mind, I really want to stress that that is hugely important. I can't tell you how many times I've gone in and figured, oh, I don't need to set the laser today because I'm I'm not going to use it for what I'm going to be doing. I know I'm not. I ultimately started the procedure and go tongue gone. it. I wish I had my laser set up and I was too lazy to go ahead and, and set it up. And ultimately I said, boy, I wish I had taken that time to set up a laser. So yeah. have, having it set up and ready to go is really, really important. And in addition, if you don't have it set up and if you get in procedure, you think I should use it, take the time, get it set up. It's well worth every single second about that too.
0: Totally. Totally.
1: So, so the so your laser itself do you feel that that the laser has been a good marketing tool for your practice in other words that not only for the fact of getting patients to come in but the idea of of acceptance of treatment how how would you say that your practice has grown or developed with when you when you started your waterlice therapy
0: definitely um I think people in my area are seeking me for that care. We have a big social media presence and we're always posting things on social media that we've done with the laser, we could do with the laser, we've benefited a family that way. And so there's a known fact that we're doing this and that this makes a difference. And that's a huge builder, not just for patient report, but for referral report your referrals are out there watching what you're posting. They're liking it. They're commenting on it. So I get a lot of referrals that are sending to me based upon the fact that I've got a laser and I'm promoting that laser in a very family-friendly, fun, practical way on my online social media, but also marketing to them. Like I show them my before and after cases and that is huge when you're looking at like, oh man, like I'm going to send to this doctor because look how clean this looks. Like that one that used that that diode over there. Whoa, that looked way different than this post-surgical release. I take pictures before the procedure, right after the procedure and a follow-up procedure to document all of that. So I can easily show the patient what we've done for you and how we've benefited for the patient and the parent, but also my referrals. So I can send it to them and say, look, Hey, this is how good we are. This is what we did for you. So really being able to push that in those different ways of promoting it are really huge. So definitely, I think it accepts, we have a much higher patient acceptance rate, because they're seeking these ways to get done. They've heard that this is possible. I had one drive over an hour and a half this week alone to have an infant lip tie release done, because they passed how many doctors coming to see me out in East Texas, because they had heard that I had this laser, and that I had the experience to do that for them. And so, um, you know, that's really makes a big difference for you when you're a startup and you're trying to get off the ground or when you're trying to integrate in a new treatment and you've already got a huge patient rapport built within your community and you're unveiling this new technology that you as the superior authority of care in your area you're even stepping up your game even more. And so they're already looking at you as that authority in your neighborhood. And so it's an easy addition for you as well when you've already got that. I've worked with many offices that have been there for years that are adding this in and it has been a huge success for them. They were a little nervous, but it was huge because they already are looked at as an authority for care in the area. And when they said, this is what we're going to do, the referrals started flowing in because they were trusted already in their neighborhoods.
1: You know, especially in your area, think about it. You're gonna have, you know, you're gonna have a huge population of younger individuals who have had such a positive experience with the Waterley's laser. Who become adults, they're gonna be seeking the uh, finding a a general dentist, restorative doctor who are utilizing the Waterley's technology.
0: And I can't tell you how many times the parents sit there in the room and they turn. I mean, twice this week already. Okay, and what day is that? I mean, yeah. That's Monday. All right. And twice <laughs> already, we've had parents that looked at me and said, man, I wish my doctor used that. Or you only see children. You don't see adults. Would you make an exception for me? I wish I could have that done.
1: Yeah. You know what? We used to use the term the tail, to wag, the dog. Uh, when the therapy generates enough of an interest in the public that actually they're the ones that drive, are the driving force to get the doctors the restorative doctors or whomever yeah. to go and look in a certain idea of technology and i gotta tell you i have a feeling that we're really at that precipice precipice is that how you say it? anyway on on um, <laughs> our, the way the t- the tip of the wave of this happening i think that we are starting to see more and more patients who are having such positive experiences with the water lays laser they're, they're seeking out doctors i know that for me in perio you know, they have asked me, is there anybody in our area that that does um, has a water laser laser? And there's not very many that are out there. So um, I have a feeling that we're going to start to see more and more of this technology being being brought in. And I do know that at some point in time that I know that Biolays was even talking the idea of, de- of developing like a networking type of a coordination where maybe in an area they can help. Waterlies doctors who network with each other go ahead and develop these, uh, kind of a um kind of networking or, or kind of a camaraderie yeah. too. So, so I think the future of dentistry is definitely heading towards the idea of uh, of laser therapy and uh and also uh, especially with the uh, the Waterlys, uh, which of course is my preference uh, in laser therapy. Uh, so I think that you would agree with that also.
0: Oh, definitely. This this is my future, and now we're capitalizing on it for sure. Definitely benefiting us, our patients gain greatness so, from it
1: so true so we are actually coming to the end of uh, of this podcast um so i do have every so often we happen to have our listeners that call, that call us up or or contact us asking for more information would you be available in the future to maybe discuss let's say maybe uh uh certain techniques or, or procedures a little bit more detail if uh, if we have a have a request for it
0: definitely yeah i'd love to go more in detail with that for Sounds- sure
1: that sounds great. And like I said, is a lot of times we get people that are uh, are interested in more information, and uh, and this is kind of like a they kind of gets these podcasts wet the whistle of people wanting to to get more info. So again, Doctor Curtis, I'd like to go ahead and thank you very 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 much for being here. This has been extremely informative, extremely knowledgeable. Um, I have learned a huge amount, um, you know, from from our discussion, and I really uh, thank you for uh, for being with us.
0: No, I'm glad to do it. One of the things I always say is that we never stop learning so that we can go and better do so that we can better serve our patients and our communities. So I hope that you learned so that you can do and you can better serve. Sounds
1: great. Hey, real quick. So if somebody has some some interest in contacting uh, via social media, where do you what's your recommendation?
0: Yeah. You can find me on either Facebook or Instagram at uh, Ben D Curtis DDS and Curtis Kids Dentistry is my office page there. It's combo for that. So Ben D Curtis and Curtis Kids Dentistry.
1: That's great. Great resource for people to reach out to get some more information. Definitely. And, uh, and I know that like, like for me, I'm, I, I'm always, uh, Uh, open to share whatever I know and my information. So again, thank you very much. I run
0: my own account. So it's me on there messaging you back. So (laughs) you got it.
1: That's Excellent. Thank you. All right. So we've had some uh, very interesting um, future uh, podcasts uh, in the works. Uh, hopefully we can go ahead and get these, uh, these, uh, going, uh, so obviously for all of our listeners out there, stay tuned for more Biola's Advancing Dentistry Podcast. Uh, I hope that all of you will join us next time. Until then, thanks for joining us and cheers.
0: Cheers. Thanks for joining us for another Advancing Dentistry Podcast. Opinions expressed are those of individual doctors and do not necessarily represent Biolace. Please refer to your individual state governing bodies for laws pertaining to laser usage. To learn more about waterlace, all-tissue, and epic diode laser technology, visit Biolace.com forward slash podcast.